I want you to take your Bible. I want you to turn. We're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. This is an awesome chapter of the Bible, by the way. This is where we see a riot in Ephesus. This is where we see uh, the seven sons of Sceva and their encounter with the demonic. Oh, it's an awesome passage. But look at how this begins. In fact, you ought to stand up. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word. The Lord is worth honoring. Acts chapter 19, and beginning at verse 1, this is what it says. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Wow. Guys, I'm going to tell you at the end, right from the beginning, this is what I'm believing for tonight. The Holy Ghost to come upon you, that you would be empowered by His Spirit. You'll speak in tongues, and you'll prophesy. I believe for that to go on. And so we're going to pray and ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open His Word. Lord, I just thank You for Your Word. I pray that You would speak to our hearts and change our lives tonight. Open the Word to our hearts and our minds, Lord. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge, the glory of You, mighty God. Reveal to us things that Your Spirit is speaking tonight. Lord, I pray the wisdom of man, anything from my own flesh would fall by the wayside. And only the true voice, the, the truth of your word and the truth of the, the Holy Spirit, God, let that prevail tonight for each and one, every one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to give you very quickly, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a place uh, where, man... Uh, where the Holy Spirit moves upon you, or you've had other times where you just feel so dry and so, you know, where is the Holy Ghost? Have you ever been in one of those services where, for example, it's like maybe, maybe even tonight, we're in worship, and you notice people are weeping in the presence of God, people are engaged, and you feel nothing. Anybody ever, ever experienced that? Or, or, or I've, I've had the opposite sometimes. I mean, just so you know, I've been in that place. I've also had moments where it's like I'm just being wrecked by the Holy Ghost. And I look over and I see someone who just looks bored out of their mind. And I'm just wondering, what is wrong with you? Do you not feel what's going on in this place? Or how about this one? Have you ever been in a line? And, uh, you know, maybe it's an evangelistic service or some Holy Ghost meeting and they're laying hands. And uh, never forget, we went down to Florida for a revival meeting, me and some buddies, uh, my brother and a number of others. And, uh, I mean, we were fasting. We were hungry for the Lord. I mean, we drove like 12 hours just to get to this meeting. We were tired. And every night they were laying hands on everybody who came into the place. And so I remember we line up. There's about 5,000 people there that night. And uh, the ministers begin to go and lay hands. And I'm looking down the line. 
And I'm watching just bodies just go down, bam, 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 bam. And about 10 people away, I close my eyes and I lift my hands. And I'm ready, I'm ready. And I feel, uh, I feel the evangelist come, lays hands on my brother next to me, lays hands on me, lays hands on my buddy who is next to us, and then continues down the line. And I'm there. And I open my eyes. I'm still standing. My brother's still standing, my buddy is still standing, but everybody else in the row has gone out under the power of God. And I'm like, God, what in the world is this all about? And, you know, and some of us, we've had those experiences, and that's okay. But, but I want to talk tonight about hindrances to receiving the Holy Spirit. And we see a number of things that are lined out here, and this is a, this is a very simple teaching, but uh, I want you guys getting touched by God every time that you're hungry for it. I want, you, I want God ministering to you every time we get in the place of worship or you get in, in your personal prayer closet. We ought to have encounters with God. It shouldn't be an unusual thing. It shouldn't require a guest speaker to come through or you know, you know, just some dynamic or strange event. We ought to have daily fellowship and encounters with God. And I believe for that. So we're going to talk about, there's, there's a, I think I've got four for you, four hindrances. And if you're taking notes, you might write this down. But look at number one is uh, ignorance. Ignorance will hinder your ability to receive from the Holy Spirit. Uh, In verse 2 it says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard if there's a Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? These guys didn't know. And I I just want to encourage everybody ignorance is not the same thing as being stupid or dumb or 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 any of that it just means you don't know i've not heard that the holy ghost can move on my life like that and and just so you know um you know if you're concerned about well what do you mean the holy spirit come upon you okay uh i believe that the holy spirit when he comes upon us he he moves in two different functions okay One of those functions is the Holy Spirit is going to move in your life for your benefit. You're going to hear from God. He's going to work in your life. Holy Spirit's going to convict you of things. He'll speak to you. The Bible talks about how he's a teacher and he's a helper. He's an instructor. He's an encourager. So when when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's one of the functions. It's an inward function. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's also a ministry function. It's Acts 1.8, the power to be a witness. That's where we see the gifts of the Spirit in demonstration, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to prophesy, and all of those things. Those are the power to witness or to minister. And so I'm, I'm using this term because the Bible doesn't expressly say which of these, was it the baptism or was it the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and so I'm not going to try and say what the Bible doesn't say. But here's what I know. And I'm going to stand on a quote from the late evangelist Smith Wigglesworth. And Wigglesworth, he said, how, somebody asked him, how often should we be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, every day. And somebody says, well, show me that in Scripture. I only see it in Acts chapter 2. And this was his, his deep theological response for why we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know? We leak. That's exactly it. We le- You're not a perfect vessel to contain the holiness and the glory of God. You leak. You're a cracked pot, according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, what is that, 6? Uh, uh, you're a cracked pot. And so, uh, listen, we leak. 
We all need to be filled every single day. And so one of the hindrances is ignorance. I didn't know I could be filled every day. I didn't know I could get a fresh touch from God every day. I, I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. That's one of the reasons these guys did not receive. They just simply did not know. And so that's, uh, that's why we do teaching on this. It's why we bring instruction. These Tuesday nights really function as, uh, I, I hope, typically more of kind of an interactive. We're going to pray and then we're going to activate and we're going to release some ministry. Now Sunday nights, if you guys have never been to church on a Sunday night, we take time and just, I mean, we just go full, bo- full bore Holy Ghost every night. And uh, we just pray and we worship. I, I, maybe I'll preach, pray a little bit, but I don't prepare a sermon. I mean, I just get baptized in the Holy Ghost myself, and then we just say, Holy Spirit, you do what you desire to do. And it's been a wonderful, powerful time. And we're going to do a little bit of that tonight as well, but uh, it's going to be fun. Now, number two, here's hindrances. Hindrances to receiving the Holy Spirit. Number two is distorted vision. Distorted vision. We're not seeing things correctly. And we see this in verse 3. Paul asks, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, which is Christ Jesus. One of the reasons these guys were not, they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit is, first of all, they didn't know that they could. But second of all, they didn't have the right vision, and it wasn't their fault. All they'd experienced was the ministry of John the Baptist. And so what's interesting is their opportunity hadn't come. They had taken this moment of repentance from sin to be baptized under the ministry of John. But Paul told them, even John said, there's one who's coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's talking about Jesus. And then he says here, even John, his baptism was to prepare people for Christ Jesus. So, and I want you to think about this. I'm getting too excited. I feel like a lot of people are stuck in this very same place. Because as we come to Jesus, one of the very first things that typically tends to happen is there is a conviction of sin. You need to get right with God. You need to repent of your sin. And you need to commit your life to Jesus. And that's a good thing. We all need to do that. But there comes a moment where we... I like how the book of Acts says it. In fact, I wrote down the verse in Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. No, that's not the one. In Acts chapter yeah, 3 and verse 19, it says, Repent then and turn to God. Your sins will be wiped out, and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Here's what you need to understand about repentance. Repentance isn't just turning away from sin, but it's also turning towards God. And so what these guys had, it's like they had half of the formula. Yeah, John told us to repent of our sins. You know, don't be a part of this wicked and perverse generation. I mean, John the Baptist was a hard preacher. Go read the way this guy talked. Brood of vipers, who told you to flee the wrath to come? You know, that guy, he's my hero, man. And so he would, he, these guys knew, okay, I need to turn away from my life of wickedness and perversion. But he was saying everything that John was doing was preparing you for Jesus. And Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. 
And so we need to be one of the hindrances that we have. If we become so focused on my deficiency, I'm not good enough. I've sinned too greatly. I'm, I, I've still got work to do. I can't do anything for the Lord because I'm still working out some stuff over here. Listen to me, friend. We're all working out our salvation. We're all working through garbage. If you are waiting to be a perfect vessel, you're going to be waiting until the return of Jesus Christ. We're all people in process. The only question is, are you still in process? That's really the only question that matters. Now, you make sure. Yeah, no, don't be living in adultery and trying to do ministry at the same time. You understand. But there's some people, like, well, I've date with, dealt with all the major stuff, right? Now, I'm not a drug dealer anymore, and so, uh, you know, now I don't need to pursue the Lord. No, we'll always stay in this place of continual conviction and repentance, but we always need to be looking towards Jesus. He wants to use you. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you. And, man, if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. And I love, let me, let me give you one more verse, and then I'll go on to my third one here. There was a story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John, they're going to a prayer meeting, they're going to church, and there they see a, a lame man at a gate, and uh, you know the story, man's asking for money, Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and Wow, it's amazing. The man does. He stands up, starts running around. Now, some of the religious folk were upset about this. They actually drag him inside. And here's what's amazing. Peter makes this statement in Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. And he says, why do you marvel at this? Talking about the man's healing. Why do you marvel or look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Why are you looking at me? This man is not walking because I'm so holy or I'm so powerful. Why are you looking at me? This man is walking because Jesus is a healer. Because Je and, and, and we get in this place where, well, I don't know if I could pray for a sick person. I don't know if I have that anointing. It's not your anointing. I don't know if I'm godly enough. It's not by your godliness that somebody gives it. Peter recognized that, and that's why he saw lame people walking. We need to get out of get out this, this wrong vision that when I'm ready, when I'm anointed enough, when I'm holy enough, then God will use me. No. Seek now for the Lord to use you. Seek now. Lord, today, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm convinced. Half the reason some people live defeated lives is because they're waiting to step into the call of God until they get victory. But for some of us, you're not going to find that empowering to walk a holy life until you begin pursuing the Lord and doing what he's asked you to do. So, hallelujah. We're going to remain in process. I, I hope you know I'm not winking at sin. I'm not... I'm not overlooking those things, not in the least. We're going to be sensitive, but don't disqualify. You set your eyes on Jesus. Repent when he speaks to you. But let's get, man, we got work to do. We got work to do, friends. We got, a, we got cities. I mean, some of you young people, you YWAM guys, man, I, I, love, I love seeing your pursuit of the Lord. You got nations to touch. For real. We've got entire, we got entire people groups that have not yet been reached. And uh, we just sit around and like, well, when I'm good enough, oh, when I'm, you're never going to go. You just say, no, I'm called. 
The Lord's anointing is on me because I received the Holy Ghost. Man, we're going to see the nations transform. Hallelujah. Here's uh, number three. Number three is lack of ministry. Lack of ministry. In verse 5, it says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. You know what's important here? And I know this, I mean, this is a hindrance for real and it breaks my heart. I've met so many people who've never had the opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost. It's one of the most tragic things I've ever heard in my life. This is why we take the time every Sunday night to lay hands for people to receive the Holy Ghost. This is why even nights like tonight, we're going to lay hands and believe for you to receive the Holy Ghost. I I never want for somebody who lived in Kona said, "I I just never even had the chance to receive the Holy Ghost. Paul shows up. He laid hands. They received the Holy Ghost. And I feel like a lack of ministry is the reason that so many. But here's, here's what I do want to encourage you. Get hungry for the Holy Ghost. Get hungry. If you're hungry, he'll fill you. Never forget the season that I met my wife, actually. We were, uh, we were at Christ for the Nations. And um, where we got, you want to know where we dated? I would encourage anybody who's single, this is your, this is your dating plan, okay? You find a girl or a guy. Opposite sex, hallelujah. You find somebody who's going hard after God. And you, you link up with that person and you go, no, none of this missionary dating, okay? Well, they're a heathen, but oh, no, I'm going to save them. No, you won't. You're going to end up, no, really. I mean, 1 Corinthians says that corruption cannot inherit incorruption. For real. And so we need to, you, you go find somebody who's pursuing the Lord. And so I saw, I met Leah. She looked good. And uh, we're going after God. And so our dating experience for real was in worship services and prayer meetings and revival meetings. And uh, I mean, we never hung out by ourselves. We, 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 were, we just went after God together. And it was a wonderful thing. And so anyway, we weren't even dating yet, but it was in 40 days. We were in 40 days of prayer and fasting at Christ for the Nations. I was hungry for God, man. I was hungry for God. The last 10 nights, they had revival meetings. Cindy Jacobs had pulled together revivalists from all around the globe, and, uh, and man, we were, just, uh, we were just hungry for the Lord. And so, I mean, I, I would pull this kind of deal, like, you know, I'd be sitting in the third, fourth row, but as I felt like the pastor was about to end the service, I would like creep out into the aisle, and like I'm just kind of going down, and then like, so when it's time for prayer, I'm the very first one down there. I mean, there's, there's thousands of people in the room. I wanted to be the first one in line. And so... Uh, I'll never forget, though, there was this night, John Kilpatrick was a ministry, he's a pastor, the shepherd of the Brownsville Revival, and, uh, and I'll never forget when this man of God, he stands up and he just begins to pray, and I mean, he does, I don't know if you guys have ever heard John, but he's got this thing, it's like this Indian war cry that he does, I mean, I don't know any other way to explain it, but he just begins to lift up this cry, and I remember I was standing right there on the end of the first row, And I lifted my hands. In the moment that he began to lift up this cry, I felt like these, the only way I can describe it, this is weird, then whatever, just ignore it. I don't know. Uh, But I felt like these balls of electricity just came into the room and started shooting back and forth across the room. 
And I remember it was so real to me, I actually pulled my hands down because I was afraid. If this thing touches me, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, I felt like I'd be shocked to death. And so uh, this thing began to happen as the whole room is crying out. I mean, we're all going after God. And uh, Cindy, I was so mad at her. Cindy comes up to John, gives him a prophetic word, lays hands on John Kilpatrick, and he goes out under the power of God while he's on the stage. And I'm so mad because John is supposed to pray for me. But now he's out under the power of God. And I mean, he just gets like toasted. He's like, I mean, he's drunk. I mean, he just, he's gone. And so the ushers come and they drag him over to the, to the chair, which was on the stage. And I remember I'm just, I'm standing there at the front of the room. And I'm just like, I need that guy to pray for me. I have fasted by this time for like 38 days. And he's like one of the guys on my very short list that I want prayer from. And so I remember... I saw John, I mean, he looked like he was kind of conscious while he was sitting there on the chair. And as soon as I saw him open his eyes, I'm like, I'm going to go right up on stage and I'm going to ask him to pray for me. And so I go and I, I start going up on stage and immediately there's this guy like Jonathan there. And uh, young man, no, this is for pastors, for, for, for our leadership only. And so I'm like, you know, I, I step back. Now, I don't know what you would have done in that situation. But I knew the layout of the school. I knew that there was a back hallway that led to a door that opened up right on stage. So I leave the altar. I go out the back door. I go into that side hallway all the way up around. I go out into the, the door that opens up right on the stage. The usher never even saw me. He's still standing there playing guard duty right in front of the stage. And, uh, you know, here I am now up behind him. And so this is true, man. This is a true story. And so I go around and, uh, you know, I go and I actually kneel in front of uh, Brother Kilpatrick. And I, and I say, Pastor John, I, I want you to pray for me. The way that the Lord has used you. And he described the revival and the way they prayed and all of those. And I said, John, I... My, my deepest desire is for God to use me even, even in a fraction of the way that he used you to host that mighty move of God. Would you pray for me? You know, that night, there were two other pastors who had flown in from Africa to be a part of that meeting. That night, only three people got prayed for by John Kilpatrick. Those two pastors who'd flown in from around the world and me. Who's <laughs> that? You, sometimes you just got to get hungry. And you say, now, pastor, that sounds like rebellion. Man, what do you call the woman with the issue of blood pushing through? The, it was illegal for her to do that, but she needed a touch from God. She pests through that crowd even when people say, I'm not encouraging you to go be rebellious and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes you got to push, man. Sometimes you got to get through the crowd. And so, uh, I mean... My wife and I have become pros at this. We'll be in these meetings with thousands and thousands of people, and we hear, oh, the pastor's making the escape in the back hallways out this way, and we'll go catch him out in the hallway to go, pray for us. And uh, All right. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, so what did I say? Lack of ministry. Sometimes you got to seek out that ministry. Now, what time is it? Oh, yeah, we're still good. Hallelujah. Here's the last one. Things that will hinder you from receiving the Holy Spirit. Number four is wrong thinking wrong thinking sometimes can i just tell you sometimes sometimes we think too much 
I'm an analytical person by nature. I'm the guy that, uh, you know, as, as people are getting touched by God, I'm the one who's standing off on the side watching. Is the pastor pushing them? Is he not? Is... Was that real or was that a courtesy fall? You know, I'm the guy who's off on the side just like kind of, I don't know what. You know, I don't know what you'd call that. But I'm, I'm analyzing what's going on here. And, and I've realized that that can be a hindrance to receiving the Holy Spirit. If we live our life in skepticism, is that really God? Is that really this? I'm telling you, you will. You'll miss it. That's exactly it. Now, there is a godly way of thinking. I'm not telling you, I want you to understand. I'm a thinker. I'm a theologian. I study the Word of God. I'm not giving you an excuse to be shallow or, uh, you know, have bad doctrine. Or, you know, we've got enough of uh, terrible theology within the Spirit-filled movement. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's a right form of thinking. And I think it's very interesting. You look at the two manifestations of the Spirit that were listed right here. One of them... He laid hands, and the Bible says that they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. They spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. 1 Corinthians 14 gives us a very good teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, on prophecy, and on the gift of tongues in particular. And here's what you need to understand. When we speak in other tongues, the Bible says that our spirit prays, but our mind is unfruitful. Our understanding is unfruitful. It literally means that when we pray in the Spirit, something is happening. We, we, we discover that literally we're building ourselves up in our holy faith. That's in Jude chapter 1. We tell us praying in the Holy Ghost. Something happens when we begin to pray in the Spirit. But it's not a mental thing. Prophecy, on the other hand, does work in our mind. It's literally when God makes His thoughts, His words, our words. I was just blown away when I was reading in the book of Exodus. I think it's chapter 8. And God tells Moses, you're going to go and you're going to be like God to Pharaoh. And then He says, Aaron is going to speak for you. He's going to be your prophet. And this is interesting. God gave Moses the thoughts. God gave Moses the strategy. God spoke to Moses, but Aaron was the mouthpiece who would speak for Moses. He was like the prophet to God. So you and I, and we're going we're gonna to do this a little bit later, when we prophesy, our goal is to hear the mind of Christ. What does the Lord say about this person? What would God declare over them? And we, as the prophet, get to be the mouthpiece that speaks for God. So, I'm not telling you to turn off your brain all the time. What we need, though, is the mind of Christ. And we see both of those things manifested here when they prayed in tongues and they prophesied. Now, let me give you one exercise, and we're going to pray for people. Let me show you how this works. Now, this is so cool. I want you, I want everybody to close your eyes right now. And I want you to rehearse. We all know John 3, 16, right? Now, this is what I want you to do. In silently, silently to yourself, not speaking it out loud, but to yourself three times, I want you to rehearse John 3.16. Nobody talking, just in your own mind right now.
all right? You get it? You do it? Okay. Exercise number two. Everybody, keep your eyes closed. Now, for about 30 seconds, I'll tell you when to stop. Silently to yourself, not out loud, I want you to begin to pray in tongues. If God's given you the ability, you have the liberty, I want you to pray with your spirit to yourself, not out loud, right now. Is your tongue moving in your mouth right now? It is, isn't it? Some of you, now let me ask you, now you can look at me again, okay? When you were rehearsing John 3.16, your tongue wasn't moving, was it? Or was it? Maybe some of you it was. But when I asked you to pray with your spirit, what began to happen? For many of you, I see you shaking your head at me, your tongue began to move just You didn't do it out loud, but your tongue began to move. Why? Because one of these is literally tapping into your mind. It's tapping into your brain. You're recalling scripture. You're rehearsing that scripture. It's happening here. But when you pray with your spirit, it's not a mind thing. It's a spirit thing. And as that begins to bubble forth, there's a reaction. There's a response that begins to happen even physically in our bodies. Not a mental thing. The devil will whisper at you. I remember just battling this when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's just in your mind. You're just mimicking what somebody else heard and, uh, or what you heard somebody else doing. I don't no, That thing went away a long time ago. It's out of the abundance of my spirit that I'm praying. Hallelujah. I want to welcome my worship team. If you guys would come and just join me up here and we're going to pray in a moment. In fact, why don't everybody just stand to your feet right now? Let me tell you one cool thing about praying in tongues. One of my good pastor friends, he's, uh, his name is Al Reaver. He's Dave Reaver's brother. This guy's in his 70s, uh, probably 80s now. But uh, Pastor Al, the first church that he pastored was a deaf church. Yeah, first church he pastored was a deaf church. And he said what convinced him about the reality of the baptism in the Holy Ghost and the reality of speaking in other tongues was when he heard deaf people receive the baptism of the Spirit. And as they began to pray in other tongues, he said it sounded like thousands of other Pentecostal services that he had been in. But he knew these guys were not mimicking sounds that they heard. They weren't mimicking one another. God began to move. They began to pray in other tongues. God began to move in the, in the very same way he'd seen countless times in other ministries. It's real. It's real. Now, what we're going to do is uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time with this. I'm going to do exactly what the Apostle Paul did. And uh, it's not my power or godliness, but I believe that as we're obedient to what the Bible instructs us to do, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to believe for all who want to. I'm going to believe that you're going to be filled. For some of you, maybe the first time. Some of you, it's a, it's a refreshing. It's a refilling. It's a Wigglesworth thing. I've leaked. And uh, tonight, I'm going to be filled. And then we're going to believe for, uh, if you've never received your prayer language, you've never prayed in other tongues, 
let's believe tonight would be the night that the Lord would activate that gift on the inside of you. I also want to pray, because it's what happened here in Acts 19. I also want to believe that the Lord would unlock and activate the gift of prophecy on the inside of your life. And uh, after we pray, we're just, we'll kind of flow with the Spirit. We'll see, you know, what we do. But uh, we're going to take opportunity to try and hear from God, the minister. Hallelujah. Leah, would you just join me up here? I'll have my wife help me pray tonight. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we just ask you tonight, mighty God, would you fill, would you anoint, would you baptize in a new and a fresh way by your Holy Spirit? Lord, what we see you did in Scripture, Lord, we know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, you're still the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. That didn't change when apostles went to be with you. No, that still is active today, right now. And God, tonight I pray that you would fill every single open heart, every hungry heart, every hungry life within the sound of my voice. God, if there's a yearning, God, let there be a, a demand that's placed on the anointing that I, I, I'm not leaving here tonight, Lord, unless you touch me. I'm not, I'm not letting go. I'll wrestle with you, Lord, and, and, until you bless me just as Jacob did. Lord, I ask that tonight you would meet people by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Even now, I pray that you would break through the overlay of the flesh or unbelief or even things in the demonic realm that would try and hinder what your spirit desires to do. I pray for breakthrough tonight. Even those maybe who have sought the, 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 the anointing, the infilling of your spirit time and time and time again, they've been frustrated because it's not come. Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night where you would break through by your spirit. Lord, break through unbelief. Break through wrong mindsets. Break through, Lord, lack of opportunity. Opportunity or, or unbelief or repentance issues, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would touch us tonight. Touch us by your Holy Spirit tonight. Oh, in Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, if God is tugging on your heart, you want to be filled afresh, if you want to be baptized in the Spirit in a new and a fresh way, I want you to step out from where you're at and just begin to line up right across the front right here, right now. Come on. 